You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, all things modern culture, and all things that matter first, our priorities in life. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm so excited to be here back this week. Voice is a little bit raspy, but I hope you like the texture. Um, I'm here talking about a very important topic with one of my amazing friends who's been on this podcast before. And I'm so excited to talk about female relationships, the trickiness of sometimes the mean girl, frenemy aspect of them with my dear friend, Christine Chen. Hi. Hi, Christine. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me back. When you asked me, I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. All day, yes. You were so brilliant. You're actually one of the very early episodes of First of All. Yeah. We girl, talked about burning you, out. You've been killing it. Just just nonstop recording. I know it's hard. That is hard. So I have lots of thoughts and opinions, you know. <laughs> no, but good ones, you know. So I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's been quite the journey. And and speaking with you throughout our friendship, we've always kind of focused on the aspect of growth, about reflection and and really digging deep and not letting anything kind of fester too long that we're, we're struggling with. And this topic, you know, you're one of the first people I thought of that I would bring on as a guest because dealing with uh, kind of figuring out how to deal with uh, female relationships has been tricky. It's never, I mean, for me personally, and we can just dive right into the conversation. I mean, first of all, I've just... I've never found a way to articulate this. Maybe this is why it's taken so long for this episode to come up. But I personally have felt I've been just starting to learn how to navigate female relationships, I'd say, in the last three to five years. And I'd love to hear what you think about that. Like, I feel like I'm really getting the hang of it. I've had a lot of amazing (laughs) women in my life, but I feel like I've struggled a little bit. How about you? Uh. Yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> you asked me, like, so what are your thoughts about me not having female friends <laughs> in the three to five years? I was like, well, I mean, power to you. you know? <laughs> um, no, but I, to- I totally relate. I, um, we-, we had talked about this before where I think we're the type of personalities where we've told ourselves that we just get, but we just, um, we get along better with men because... Mm-hmm. Somewhere along our journey, our experiences with other women have been catty, have not been so great. So then it's like, you know what? Guys seem less dramatic. They're so direct. We can just be chill. But at the end of the day, I realized those are all just stories because guys can totally be dramatic. (laughs) They could totally Uh, bring on. Yeah, they're catty, too. And they can be very complicated, too, depending on, you know any sort of friend zoning or, or attraction, whether that's one-sided, both-sided, whatever. There's there's layers of complexity in having friends of all shapes, colors, and dimensions, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I the funny thing is when I reflect on it, I've, my first friends and my best friends since childhood have been girls and have been women, and I feel like there's something that happened around puberty 
and after that kind of shifted that dynamic. What do you think about that? Has your, have you, I, I'm, I grew up a tomboy too, and I have two brothers, and I think that was kind of a foundational thing for me to feel comfortable with guys, um, to feel like I could rough, you know, and I also feel like I was a little bit, I was a tomboy that was also boy crazy, so I always <laughs> wanted to impress them at the same time, so right. that was kind of my mixture of why I gravitated towards them. Was Were you a tomboy, Christine? I, I think there was a period of my, a brief period that I was because I did hang out with boys, probably in elementary school, like my church friends were all boys. And there was that like, oh my God, you're a girl. You can't play with us. You can't, you know, play video games. You can't <laughs> play sports. So yeah, the, the feistiness in me is like, well, I'll show you, you know, but I definitely, my experience with girls also started at a young age in elementary school. And mm-hmm. um, we were just so dramatic and catty like at in first grade for for no reason you know and it it was just mean and it was psychological and looking back at it I was like wow wow how do how did young girls survive this you know but I can definitely see how it develops and in my head it totally played out into my life and how close I wanted to be with women or what that even meant as like a true friendship with women because I just was always really suspicious of them (laughs) <laughs> suspicious okay see now we're getting deep and and i'm so like starting first grade that's so interesting do you have any anecdotes that you're willing to share <laughs> i mean like so i sh- i i also have a podcast with my friend regina and yeah. we definitely talked about how one of my best friends now um her name is rainbow and i met her in kindergarten and I, I loved Rainbow since I met her. You know, there's Who something so... Who doesn't love rainbows? Oh my God, right? Like the guy that cried over like, was it the double rainbows? Yeah. So yeah, that was me in kindergarten. And I loved her so much throughout my elementary school life. But she was just so mean to me. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like In what I, way? Like she would be like, you know, I don't want to hang out with you today. Or, you know, tomorrow we're not friends. I have a new best friend. And just... Things like that at age, like, seven, you know? Wow. And then, and looking back now, at that age, I was just like, what's wrong with me? And, and, I, and I remember, um, I'm blind because of her. <laughs> I tell what do you her, mean? I tell her this all the time, even at age, like, 34 now. I'm like, she got glasses when she was in third grade, and I was like, oh my god, she's so cool. I want to be exactly like her. So I... <laughs> So I purposely read in the dark. I watched TV in the dark. Oh and my then, gosh. Then I had to get glasses. I was like, oh my God, Rainbow's going to love me forever. And I have for- reached the, I have leveled up as a person. <laughs> I'm on ra- I'm on rainbow level. Exactly. Rainbow level. That really should be a thing. That's and, amazing. Yeah. And, and crazy that you got glasses. Yeah. Of your That's how much I really want to be accepted. And I think, um, whether it was a guy or a girl, I, early on, I had already sought that and it mm-hmm. apparently already meant something to me. But yeah. I think especially with girls, I just felt, I mean, it makes sense now. It's all psychological, which is why it stays with you. Right. Versus with boys, it just seemingly seems, it seemingly seems, it seems like they're like, you know what, they're mad at you. And then the next day they're like, okay, let's go play. You know, it's fine. So yeah. it, it kind of just feels like, okay, I could just brush it off but then girls are something that they 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 could pick at anything and they purposely say and and do mean things so that it sticks with you you know i don't know it's if you a lot of experience. it's 
It's a lot of emotional terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And and it's really funny to reflect on that because, you know, I've grown up with so many different insecurities and feeling like I wanted to belong. And, and that's a very strong feeling, I think, of childhood and, and adolescence, right? And you're just trying to figure out who you are and how you fit into the grand scheme of things. And I think... What you're saying is there's a social hierarchy that's established pretty early on, right? You don't have to be even—it's way before middle school of, like, who who kind of has an upper hand, whether it is because they're really pretty or, you know, just attractive and, like, other people seem to gravitate towards them, their charisma. They're really smart or, you know, they have the mom or dad that brings all the treats to give to the other kids in class. People establish their— their currency, I feel like, their social currency in different ways. And then we kind of fall in line, right? Like we fall in line of, oh, where do I measure up compared to that person? And I think between girls, you know, there's definitely a lot of psychological manipulation. (laughs) And if I'm completely honest, you know, I, I, I like, I paint my own picture as a child of like, oh, I felt left out and I wanted to be cool and everything. But realistically, I was kind of a bully in, as a kid, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I think I actually, I think I successfully made other kids, including little girls, feel left out. I think there was something that gave me a sense of like, and that's so sad. I mean, that's just really, it's like the truth that I, I did kind of have a little bit of mean girls tendency. I, I did kick it with like a lot of the popular crew, even though myself in my own body, I felt super insecure. Right. I mean, that's where it came from. Right, right. There's something about like <laughs> putting people in their spot to make you feel bigger and better. <laughs> That's so oh, mean so girls. You embarrassing. Know? <laughs> yeah. No, you shouldn't be because like, I mean, I was the same way. You... I mean, not obviously not everyone's like this, but I can see why we did that because we were a victim of it. And then, you know, we reflect what we, what we've been through and who wants to be like, who wants to be told that you don't belong and you don't fit in, don't hang out with us. You can't sit with us, you know? Yeah. So part of, part of it just manifests in, well, how do I get that power back? How do I be cool? Absolutely. And that's tough because you can never, I mean, a kid is developing at such a rapid rate and has so many different influences. You can't even really pinpoint where that's coming from. But as an adult, I can say, you know, I love my brother. He's one of my best, best friends. And we've, we've come so far, but I can say like he influenced a lot of my insecurities as a kid. He was very mean to me. (sighs) My my dad would punk him and my, he would punk me because it's just like, you know, that's yeah. how it goes, the, the the chain of command. And and he would make fun of me a lot. And I definitely felt, you know, very insecure about my looks. I went through puberty young, so I feel like I was just very concerned mm-hmm. about being pretty and being liked. And I had a big ego when it came to school. Like, I loved getting straight A's because I kind of just really liked that about the achievement part of me. Right. So at all those different levels, I think I was always trying to one-up everyone else and or myself all the time. Where, yeah. How were you like as a kid? Because you said, you. I remember you told me once upon a time, or I heard in your podcast, Perfectly Imperfect with Regina, um, that you you bullied other people too, or were you a fellow? Yeah. <laughs> were, we, were we both just the worst? Yeah. I know. I will readily admit that. So as mean as Rainbow was to me, I was like, you know, like, I got you. Don't worry. I got you. So, like, you know, during lunchtime, everybody had to put their lunch boxes, all classes, 
everyone had to put their lunch boxes in the lunch area. Got and it. And then I knew that she treasured treasured her lunchbox. So one day I just threw it in the trash. That's right. Oh my god. That's gosh. right, Rainbow. What now? <laughs> Karma is what it is. But it's yeah, that, I mean, it, it is. And and then, you know, and then you move on to middle school and high school. It's about spreading rumors. It's about exaggeration. Oh. It's about, like, nitpicking things that don't even matter, but making a huge deal out of it to get everyone on your side versus her side, you know, and... Oh, it's, God. it's really tough. That it's... I mean, well, the funny thing is, I, did you ever have to move as a kid? No. no okay, I so yeah. I think that actually really affected my my ability to empathize and being the new kid, I actually think that helped actually put me in my place at different points in my, my early life. Um, because that insecurity of being the new kid and trying to figure out again, who any, my friends could be and figure out where I fall in that social hierarchy was really humbling. And I think really, I think they're very important milestones of like changing who I was as a kid. Yeah, because you're put into different social environments, which is one is already hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But then to continuously be the new girl, and then if, to figure out, okay, what do these people like? What will get me accepted? Like, how do I need to come in based off of my past experiences? And there's a lot of going. That's a lot of development and challenges to face at. That age, especially. Well, it's funny because I moved in first grade and then I also moved in. um, And then there's a transition from elementary school to middle school. And then I went to middle school and in the middle of eighth grade, actually the beginning of eighth grade, which I I just want to put this out into the universe for any potential, any current and future parents. Eighth grade is one of the worst times. I just think (laughs) moving your child when they're in middle school I've oh seen so many friends and myself. So, and again, maybe for better or worse, I think that it's also important to move. I actually don't think that moving in and of itself is bad, but there are times where they're more vulnerable than others. That's oh, my yeah, opinion. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, I think that age is probably the time that you're you're starting to feel stuff that you didn't know. Like, you can't really pinpoint what it is, whether it's angst, whether it's anger, whether it's just, like, coming into your hormones, right? Yeah, you can't explain sure. it. Everybody else is in the same boat. You feel judged. You have acne. Your, that's your <laughs> awkward moments, you know? Everything about you is awkward. I, I mean, that was me. I, 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 there's definitely people out there that still were cool throughout, <laughs> throughout that process. I mean, there are people who are functional, uh, <laughs> anxious teens, but I, I completely agree. I think to some degree, everybody goes through that and some go through more extreme versions than others. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very confusing time. And so in that, I think relationships become hypersensitive because you're you're so lost in who you are and everything feels so dramatic and intense. Yeah. <laughs> um that I think that definitely, and that's why I think like puberty was a really big, important turning point. And I think those are really important things, even though we're talking as grown women about our relationships, which I definitely want to speak more with you about, yeah. um, understanding how those developmental years play into our sense of self, our sense of belonging, like what gives us power right, right. and gives us that pep in our step to deal with all of the insecurities that are, you know, they're just rushing at you one by one. Totally, totally. It's I mean, l- for you, I'm like you said, you just started to, or in the past three to five years, you really started to embrace being like 
the friendship of women, right? So what changed? What what happened? Well, like fast forward, I think you know, I've I've been really really lucky because I have several like I've, I would say the five closest women in my life right now. Are all women that I've known since I was in middle school, since I was 12. And I feel really, really fortunate because that's something to me that means a lot that they've seen me through a lot, but that also that we've grown together and that we've been able to forge these friendships that were not impacted by something that could have torn us apart, whether that be competition or jealousy or resentment or, you know, what have you. It means a lot. But and then there's also new women that have come into my life, I'd say in the last five to 10 years that completely changed my perspective on who I am. And I think, honestly, it comes to me really being better about who I am with myself that has changed my ability to Mm -hmm. connect with other women. Because there's a lot that happened in between... hitting puberty which for me was 10 years old i was in fifth grade wow and um and adulthood there were a lot of you know like a lot of great friendships and relationships but a lot of pain as well that caused me to have a lot of suspicion and distrust and some straight up betrayal that really messed with my ability to look at other women be like yeah we're on the same team or i can trust you yeah how about you I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, know, I know our journeys, we've talked about it. Um, there are definitely parallels and there's definitely things that you've been through. I'm just like, girl, girl, <laughs> oh my God. You know, it aches me just to, to hear all that. And then, but then also proud that you've come out such a, such a beautiful human being and soul and all the, all the goodness that you're bringing to other people's, people's lives because of what you've been through. And I think that's the beauty. That's, that's the thing that I, uh, like I came to realize in my 20s is mm-hmm. that there's so many women who who like I, I can completely relate to their stories and their feelings and as individuals it, it it felt like you're going through it alone it really felt like you're carrying the burden of the world the secret like oh you're a <laughs> slut you shouldn't have done that you're like you know like Keep your opinions to yourself, whether that's in work, in in friendships and stuff. But mm-hmm. then you really can have a heart-to-heart conversation with another female soul who has totally owned herself and her journey. You know what? Mm-hmm. Like that is something that I don't think you can get anywhere else. That connection, mm-hmm. that yeah. feeling of like sisterhood really connected with me where I'm like, wow, this is deeper than really any type of relationship that I that I have, not to say that you can't have that type of relationship with men, but I think with a sisterhood, there's just something where you're like, I get you. I, you don't even have to say anything. I get you. Right. 100%. And it's tough because there's so many different ways those versions of, of tension. Actually, side note, thank you. You're freaking amazing. I'm like here weeping, um, but thank you for your kind words. Yeah. And and it's just so interesting to see where those scars can lead and how much of an impact it can ripple effect into the rest of your life that those, those pains or those betrayals, you know, can leave a lasting mark on you to be maybe potentially eternally distrustful of other women or what have you. And it it really makes me sad because as a grown woman, you look back on that, it feels very high school, but that was the reality of it. It was a lot over, to be honest, from my side, a lot of it was over guys. A lot of it was over 
attention that I got that they wanted and they didn't get and they felt some level of jealousy or I felt jealousy towards them. And it just feeds this very mean girl's... I think it's very much bred in insecurity, but it feeds this mean girl's behavior, even if it's not your conscious attitude of, of cattiness, of... Oh, you got that? You can't you can't be happy for that person. You're just yeah. you're jealous and there's part of you in your hormones and in your immaturity or what have you, in your being less than your ideal version of yourself. You know, just being when you suck as a person, when you're younger and you go in those moments, you you can act out on that and and do things and say things and behave in ways that are really embarrassing and shameful create rumors, what have you, just have a nasty attitude, be unwelcoming. I mean, yeah. I kind of ran the gamut of that in high school and in college in different versions for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you did you get better after Rainbow, Christine? Or was it like, did, did you, was it the same for you? Am I just like that boy crazy girl that was creating drama all on her own? No, no. Honestly, like all the stuff that you're describing, maybe in a less intense scale, but us being in entertainment and also living in social media um, that definitely still exists Mm -hmm. where even like this past year, just a lot of reconciling within myself of like, what do I feel like I'm lacking that makes me jealous, uh, jealous of some other woman's success. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. because social media is so in your face and everyone's so perfect. I mean, this the same spiel, right? That you often look at yourself in just in your normal state and you're just like oh my god i hate her she's so (laughs) she's so amazing you know and i'm never gonna be that and part of you you know when you're not ready to admit that to yourself it's so much easier just to point at her right and you're like oh my gosh she's so fake oh my gosh she's trying to get attention that's not how she's really like and like you said it's just a level of of trying to like a level of honesty with yourself you mm-hmm. know because i think when i realized that the true definition of empowerment because that word gets thrown around all over the place the true definition of definition of empowerment to me is that you're comfortable in your own skin whether perfect unperfect whatever perfectly imperfect right right right, um, right. And that you know that you are enough and that you're different and that your purpose in life is different than that person's pur- purpose in life. So it doesn't matter. It like it honestly doesn't matter. So even if that person's doing something that does not speak to you, doesn't sit right with you, it has nothing to do with you. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is just looking at yourself and seeing what you're projecting onto the other person. And in this case, like other women, because right. what like, if you're comfortable with yourself, then you could genuinely be at a place where you're like, girl, I am rooting for you. Do you need anything from me? Here are my resources. If you win, then we all win. Right. So yeah, that's what I realized. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely seeing how I've played honestly to get very meta, how I've played into the patriarchy and how that's influenced my relationships, whether that be with myself, with my family, with, with men that I was interested or men that were interested in me. Um, and certainly other women. And it was really funny because the conversation kept coming up before because I've had multiple friends, gay, straight, you know, 
men, women, trans, otherwise, there, there, there's a lot of commentary that goes around, like, why are women so terrible to each other? Mm-hmm. And that's a, such a reality. And I, I thought about it, and I would love to hear what you think about this theory. But my theory on one of the key reasons why this particular brand of cattiness can emerge is the competition because competition's kind of inherent in humans, right? Like men are competitive with each other. Men are competitive with women. We're, right. we're competitive with everybody. We're always, which to a, like to a certain degree is healthy and normal. But I think for women in particular, I think so much of our value and we're getting so much better now. But so much of our value up until now has been placed on our desirability. A lot mm-hmm. of our desirability, if you quantified it by data, is a lot by how we look, how sexually desirable we are. Hence, when you like somebody and they don't like you and they like XYZ person over there, there's something that it threatens your sense of self. I think just me as a woman, I have really, I mean, I have a lot of other qualities besides the way I look, right? Mm -hmm. But I just look at being female, being Korean-American. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) How much emphasis has been on to be pretty and to be, you know what I mean? Like, my social currency was, like, how many guys liked me and how hot people were. And it equates to likes. It equates to, yeah, now to social media where you can quantify those things of like how desirable somebody is and how much that messes with your sense of self. And so I think because of that paradigm that we've lived in literally forever, that women, their value is so much emphasized on how desirable they are versus you know, desirability matters for men, but they can also be really intelligent. They can be really accomplished in so many other arenas besides being physically desirable or beautiful or sexually desirable. Mm-hmm. They can win Nobel Prizes and go to the moon and invent the next great company or whatever. You know, there's so many other ways that they can be desirable and, and valued. For women, it's so much on just physical desirability that, yeah, when you mess with that, you have messed with a lot of who I am. And there's something very painful about that. And then you have like this other small section of, oh yeah, jobs and achievements. And, you know, it feels so small. And then you're like fighting over those scraps that, I don't know, it threatens you. So you feel so threatened by a lot of things. Does that make sense? No, totally. Yeah, no, everything that you said, I I was definitely like, yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. And... I think it all gets tied to, like you said, like the Mm self-worth, like how attractive you are determines how worthy you are. And like you said, this goes back generations and generations of just how we're bred, how the culture um, leads us to to value women in that women pretty much back like maybe up in like I think even our parents, right? It's like you were made to be somebody's wife. So... Being physically yep. attractive, how good of a housewife, how well you can have children, ideally in Asian culture, right? Boys, mm-hmm. you know, determine how good of a woman and wife you were. So I yes. feel like now I'm so grateful to be born now because there, yes, like you said, the options for us aren't as, um, you know, there's, there's, the the range of like you said being attractive or what your self-worth is is not it's just really based off of 
yeah, how pretty you can be. But then uh-huh. it is starting to open the doors to like, yeah, being accomplished women. <laughs> right. Actually, like, you know, because we're getting jobs, we're, we don't have to, we don't have to rely on getting a husband in order to survive, right? Right, right. So now there's, there's starting to be a shift. And I really appreciate that. And I think people, it's, it's a tough battle because yeah, everyone's so accustomed to be like women, you know, especially on social media. I, 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 you instantly get millions of followers because you're hot, you know, versus somebody <laughs> who has a woman who has great opinions and is self, really self-accomplished people are intimidated by. So right. that's just kind of what it is now. But I kind I, but I feel as a woman stepping into that, um, is super liberating versus intimidating for me. And maybe that is because I never saw myself as hot, you know, and I, had to face that too while being on YouTube and social media and then really, really getting awful comments about my looks and that tore me. So I, I completely understand what you're talking about and like, like I felt worthless and you know, no matter how many inspirational quotes I read about like, oh, it's the inner beauty. <laughs> you know, I still, We love inner beauty. <laughs> it still matters. It still matters. <laughs> but then when I look at myself in the mirror, all I hear are those comments about you're just not pretty, you're ugly and et cetera, right? And, and- oh, Christine, like I'm getting angry now. Like <laughs> thinking of that. Okay. Also, we didn't even, I didn't even properly introduce you. I just jumped into this conversation because I love talking with you. Yeah. You're a brilliant mind and I love your soul. But Christine is a freaking amazing producer. She oh is God. just, be, be, blah, I can't even make words <laughs> right now. She's brilliant and hardworking. And that combination of being able to execute and strategize and envision and just like make it all happen. I, I've been in this business for almost a, pretty much a decade now. It is not easy to find. I, I truly know that Christine is one in a million. Um, and also it pains me because I've been around female content creators, whether they be musicians or actresses. I'm an actress. And being in this industry where our livelihoods and our careers, the trajectory of how far we can go, whether that's in front of a camera or behind, is so highly impacted by image. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it is it is a very specific and particular micro universe where we can pick apart human psychology in a very intense way. And to know that you have done such great work to bring amazing pieces of art or like stories to life and that people will then fixate on your looks. And this has happened to so many other female content creators that they get off YouTube because they are literally getting threats or criticisms that are completely ridiculous can we talk about that for that for a sec I, again losing words can we talk about that for a second because the youtube community and social media yeah sometimes it brings the worst out of all these trolls but you've lived that and can you reflect on that like you're making things and doing things that have nothing to do with how you look but yet that's all people fixate on right right how and has that gone it it's it's been a terrible, terrible journey, <laughs> um, but necessary because obviously that 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 was a nerve that I didn't realize was such a trigger. Because I grew mm-hmm. up like like you said, just I had my tomboy moments. I never was the the pretty friend, you know. I was always a friend of the pretty friend, and I knew that and I embraced that, and I was okay with that, or so I thought, you know. But then when these comments came around, I was just like, okay, I know I wasn't attractive, but 
I didn't know it was ugly. You know, so oh, like, yeah. No, it, you're not uh, angry. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's something where I had to face because I had to sift through those voices, which really at the time played into everything that I did and it really changed me. But uh-huh. coming out from the other side, I really can see what was me and what wasn't me and what I was trying to be and how insane um, social media can be in this world and how everyone just feels like all your not good enoughs are amplified and how do you fix that and you have so many examples of who's pretty what's hot what's not and you try to be that right so everyone's getting the kylie jenner like lip thing to get all these like pouty big lips they ain't even hers okay guys (laughs) (laughs) and we all know that we know that that's fake too and still that becomes the aspirational thing right like it does and and um it it makes me my heart really aches for young women now and young girls who are growing up in this age because if we had it hard growing up and we didn't have social media can you only imagine now right so yeah my hope is that growing up with it i mean yeah i don't know because we we were lucky enough to live a childhood without that and i hope that parents i think you know i do give a lot of hats off to parents now that are they understand that they are growing up with it so they're doing a lot more conversations that maybe we could have benefited from even without social media to have more talks about self-esteem and self-worth and to differentiate from a young age that this is make-believer this is you know and to hear more affirmative supportive you know constructive feedback you know it's 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 definitely tough and it is very scary and I but I I'm having faith and this is why we're recording this that recognizing all of these terrible things you can't shield everybody from everything but if you're aware of the fact that calling your kid fat and like commenting on their looks before they are even reaching puberty and certainly during that time you're setting themselves setting yourself up for a lot of stress because that's not gonna it, it doesn't it's hard for a child to thrive when they're going to be inundated with that from such an early age. So it's a, it's good to be aware. Right, right. And it, I mean, obviously, all this is happening for a reason. So this generation, I mean, I know we're part, we're also at kind of the edge of being millennials, but <clears throat> like, there's there's a reason for all of this, you know, and I think right. it is forcing us as society to take a good look at ourselves and... um what are the constructs that we're raising our kids in and Mm -hmm. even as adults, right? Because this this stuff doesn't go away. It doesn't mean that once you are 18, suddenly you're adulting and none of this bothers you anymore. If anything, it festers and it manifests and... And now you got a credit card and now you can take Mm -hmm. Uber wherever you want to, do whatever you want to unsupervised. I think that poses a completely different threat, if you will, and there are consequences to these to these paradigms that you're talking about, right? Totally, because then you, if you don't see self-worth in yourself or any self-value, then you seek it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it gets, it's it's a never-ending well of, of crap because you're oh. never going to mm-hmm. find it elsewhere. You're only going to find it within yourself. So some people like myself, you have to go through this journey and you realize, oh man, I like, 
I can't get it from someone else. I can't, like, no matter how many millions of people tell me that, no, Christine, you're beautiful, you're pretty. If I don't believe it, it doesn't matter, you know? Or, Christine, right. you, you're, you, you bring so much more value than that. And whatever. if I don't believe it, then it doesn't matter. So, right. uh, yeah, it's, it's just something that I think we have to face as a society and as individuals. But I will tell you, it's so much better on the other side. And it's so much freeing and liberating and everything's, like, way more uncomplicated, you know? Yeah. Like, you're not fighting life. You get a lot of time back. I mean, I'm still personally really, like, still struggling with that and having very brutally honest conversations with myself. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to hear your recommendations on how to specifically do that because, you know, you're saying that you're on the other side of that in a major way, which is incredible. And that's something that I definitely want to leave, you know, anyone who's listening in on this, whether, again, you're dealing with being a woman or man or trans or whoever you feeling who you are but before we get to that i still you know we've talked a lot about how that cattiness can play out uh, for me at least it was like with romantic relationships and being competitive over guys and i would be extremely extremely like if I'm being critical and hard on myself, which is, it's just true. I was really manipulative and I, I've done things that I'm not proud of. And then that has bled. And I was, I was very much betrayed as a teenager. The most important relationship that I went through, which was one of the worst, um, it's also in this podcast, was it ended pretty, pretty catastrophically with the ultimate betrayal of being cheated on with somebody that I considered to be one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that left a scar on me. And But then... You know, I think that definitely led to a distrust of women and feeling competitive and that value thing that I said of just who's hot, who's not, and wanting to make up for that lack of self-worth. And then professional world, you know, Christine, we touched upon it a little bit with like, you do that in your work in YouTube. How has that affected you, this, this struggle to kind of find true sisterhood with other women? How has that played out in your professional universe you know there's a lot of discussion now about women like we're already we're already suffering the 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 suckiness of being in a patriarchal society you know not all men are terrible i think they're amazing men but there are certainly those who do not care to create opportunities or consider a female voice Um, we're already dealing with that and then there's criticisms and a lot of complaints about women who don't open up to other women right? right do you have you experienced that and like how does that play out right so when i was working at wong fu productions i was at the time when i was working there i was the only female there full time mm-hmm. so um and i hadn't yet stepped into my role fully i i was at the time was i was like oh i'm here to help the guys right and then as i got deeper and deeper into it i just it was just innate in me where i was like you guys are writing stories about women with women characters and stuff like that i'm gonna tell you that's not how girls think you know (laughs) thank you (laughs) you know i was like thank you nobody else in this room will know that and understandably so so let me voice what it's like let me let me let you know and that was met with a lot of resistance because it was like "Mm, no you're just being dramatic that's not like you're that's not the point of the script. You, you don't understand, you know? And at that point, something clicked within me where I was like, the reason why a lot of women do not 
relate to one another is because we don't know each other's stories. It's because mm. we've protected such a huge Ooh. wall of defense against each other that why would we be vulnerable with each other? If anything, that's just giving you more ammo, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep my insecurities, my worst fears, my what I've been through to myself. So that's why we can never see each other as actual human beings and sisters, yeah. Because when you're able to share that, and I prob- like like you, I, I didn't grow up with a sister, you know, I grew up with catty friends. So <laughs> there is a big difference in never having that relationship and understanding how deep and liberating that feeling is that you don't feel alone. And mm-hmm. as I embrace that in my professional life and start to share that with um, not only the guys at work, but also other women within uh, the community, I really started to, it just clicked because I realized when I'm vulnerable, people, other people are willing to be vulnerable, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and just providing that safe space of, Hey, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to share because I'm laying out like my fears there. And if you're willing to share, I would love to hear it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That actually began this wonderful journey of me, um, making some really, really great, like, bonds with, say, like, yeah, with you, Minji, you know what I mean? And really going in deep into things that you didn't think that you would actually share because you were always too embarrassed. You're told your whole life that, no, girls don't talk about that. Or as Asians, we don't share the deep, dark secrets. Mm-hmm. But part of the, the big part of the healing process is actually sharing it. Because then you can hear yourself releasing it. It's, there's yeah. definitely the difference between writing in your journal, which I definitely advise as something that you know everyone does just to get it out. But another part is to really, really find someone that you can be vulnerable with and share all the insides with, which can be hard because, yeah, you never know if this person's going to you know, run away and use it against you, which is a fear that like you said, we, we bring with us from our past experiences. Yeah. But then I will tell you, Minji will tell you that there are amazing, amazing people and women who will not do that to you. Right. You know? So it, it is what I'm learning now, especially now as I'm getting into life coaching, that it really is about finding your tribe and finding the right support. And it's out there, but you really have to put that energy out there first in order to attract that. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm and what I heard from what you're saying. It requires vulnerability is very, very hard. And that's a constant topic of discussion. in A lot of my podcast episodes, like how do we put ourselves out there that requires so much of us? Right. Mm -hmm. Not just for us to be insightful and sit long enough with ourselves to be honest and then forgive ourselves for being human. But then to put that out there, I think it's a constant battle of being courageous you know what I mean and 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 I felt that a lot with the girls and you know maybe the subconscious undertone was like fear of being betrayed again being hurt again um being judged or or having my sense of self this fragile fragile insecure sense of self be somehow you know messed with but also like I had like I had a very interesting skewed perception of like branding with with women. It's so funny how I basically like didn't know other women's stories. And so I would put myself in this subcategory on my own. Oh, I'm more tomboyish. I'm a I'm a loud mouth. I'm 
X, Y, Z. You know, like I'm not the tall, skinny, perfect one. I'm like the petite, aggressive one, whatever. You know, I had like all these like labels for myself. And so I I remember we spoke at a USC event together, Christine, and I actually got vulnerable with that group. And I was sharing how I didn't think I could be friends with Christine because (laughs) I thought that you were so feminine and cute and like bright and (laughs) pastel and you are all those things and I love that about you and you you just emanate light and to me I'm kind of like a little bit broodier I don't know I'm more a little bit guyish I don't I I can't even cool you're edgier you're like see that's not how I look at it but like (laughs) I was like we're not at the same brand you know and and how are we going to relate and it's so looking back on it it's laughable but that's the way I thought. I was like, right. oh, Christine's very, like, girly, and I'm very kind of, like, more crude. I don't know. I just kind of put myself in a different world, and I, I just—I don't know how I came to those conclusions. And I felt that way about definitely other women in the Asian-American community right. that I'm not as pretty as they are. So they're, like, they, they're these different unicorns, and they exist in another stratosphere, and we can't— coexist it's just it's so high school and it's so laughable and it's very embarrassing to put this on air but that i'm being vulnerable it's it's not it's not because when you really think about it you're doing what makes sense which is to protect yourself because you've been through so much that of course you want to protect yourself because what if the worst does happen and you do uh connect with this you say with me right you do connect with me and then suddenly i'm like ha ha I got your secrets, bitch, you know, and (laughs) that's, that's the worst, you know, which would never happen a million years now that I know you, (laughs) but yeah, I get it. Yes. Yeah. So it totally makes sense. And I, and that's why people do it. That's why everyone does it to a certain degree. And I still do it. But like you said, you have to wake up and decide, consciously decide that, no, I'm not going to do that because it's not true. It is not true because your experiences, let's say, you know, in the past with being betrayed, that's a totally different person, you know, mm-hmm. and this, you're, you're a totally different person now. So say yes, I am. Thank you end God. Up finding, yeah, you end <laughs> yeah. up finding out that I'm someone that, oh my God, worst nightmare comes true. I'm not who you thought I was. And I betray you. You're a totally different Minji than the Minji that you were back then. You know what I mean? So yeah. the way you handle it, the way you process it, and even if, even if you're still, you, you it brings back all those emotions and you're, you're channeling all that rage from before, then I think that actually is what's needed to get to that point where you're, you get to a point of your life, you're like, what the fuck? Like, no more. <laughs> this pattern has to stop. I don't yes. like this. I, I want to trust people. I know how beautiful relationships can be. And I don't want this to happen anymore. So that's what right. happened to me. Because I was just sick and tired of all the the repeated recordings in my head that prevented me from actually taking risks, to stepping outside, to building relationships, to having, like, all the things that I ever dreamt of happen because I'm scared. You know, totally. So if if I were to pinpoint like what actually happened or what shifted in my head, that was it. I was sick and tired of the cycle that I was going through in because because like I carry that ever since ever since Rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Freaking Rainbow. Freaking Rainbow. Uh, Uh, But I love her. She's she's one of my best friends now. That's amazing. We all grow. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that was it's when you realize that. Uh, that those thoughts and fears come from, let's say, me at age five 
versus now、mm-hmm. I'm age 34. It's ridiculous, right? right. It's just like you,、yeah. you've been carrying that with you when that was just a fear of a young five year old girl who. You know, like who got hurt, but you also like powered through that. And it's also just funny because that's the, the funny thing with fear is that it can play such a powerful role in our behavior because our minds and our, you know, our psychology, our hearts can be so in protective mode and ready to f- defend、right. that you can hyper, you can like hyper, what's the word? Just make it bigger than what it is. You, you can make this, this one betrayal fine, that happened. And I'm realizing, but look at all of the other data around、yeah. it that proves how many freaking amazing women exist. How many people who have been allies, who have helped you, who have given generously without wanting anything in return, who have wanted and acted in ways that prove that they want nothing but your success and happiness. There's so much of that. And yet, our fear can be really, really. Dangerous because it skews our mind to kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, make it, this one bad、you. thing bigger. Yeah, it's, it's a very limiting thing. And so I think that plays out definitely in the workplace, in personal relationships. It limits our ability to look at other people, other women as allies, people that we want to collaborate with. I think in the workplace for me, being the same like you, being one of very few women in leadership positions,、yeah. I kind of protected that with. A ferocity and feeling like, oh, there's so few opportunities for women. I want this for me and I don't want to give it, I don't want to give up my one opportunity for everyone else. And that's just so sad. And it's a very scarcity minded, you know, attitude towards life. Right. And, and that's why I think it is important to move consciously with intention, with a decision and a choice saying, no, that's not how this is going to go. I think there's more than enough space and more than enough money and opportunities for everybody to, to work and thrive. It's not just only, oh, there's a hundred seats. 89 of them are going to go to men and 11 are going to women. Like, no, let's just make more projects. Let's hire whoever we want to hire. Let's tell the stories we want to tell. That inherently will open up more opportunities for women, for people of color, et cetera. You yes. Know? And it's something that's so exciting to be a part of now because you actually are witnessing it happening. Like, look at the Senate. Look how many like, women of color are being voted into it because it's like, it's time's up. You know, <laughs> like for sure it is. Yeah, like no, no more of like pitting women against women because I think it's something that actually happens, right? At, at the workplace, within friends group, and all of that. But no more because, like, we understand the value in numbers. We actually see how beautiful and amazing that women can do in numbers together, you know, and by our own rules and what we want to do versus being told what we should and shouldn't be, how we should and shouldn't dress, how we should, sh- what we should. And shouldn't say, you know, like, fuck that shit. It's over, you know? I'm like,、yeah. it's, it's done because you know what? Like, we're coming, of a, we're coming to an age and time where we're realizing that and we're helping create opportunities for each other. Yeah. And that's what needs to happen because instead of looking at the next young girl as a replacement of you, it's like, no, how do we lift each other up? What can I learn from her and what can she learn from me so that we can create more opportunities for each other? Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I also think that it's a very interesting time now, in light of everything that you're talking about, that I think it's going to be a different phase of being a feminist. And I sometimes really struggle. I've had interesting conversations with other women who don't identify as a feminist. They think that that's a bad word. And that's an、mm-hmm. interesting conversation that I think is going to continue to evolve the more. 
that that voice is elevated and matured, we're going to have to set some better boundaries and parameters of how we support each other, what the definitions of those words are. Um, Because some people, in my opinion, have made feminism a bad word. And I still just I I adopted it. I am a feminist in a way that I want to elevate women. I don't equate being a feminist to hating men. Yeah, yeah. I hate horrible men, but I love amazing men. Like, it's just to make sure that women are counted for, that we celebrate who we are, that we, you know, are acknowledged for the the great and amazing things we bring to the table that we could bring to the table and to explore that, make sure that 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 exists, you know, and that we continue to mature that conversation. That's what I equate feminism to. Some people don't. Yeah. Um... Because to me, it's, it's like, sorry, men, it's not about you. It's about, it's about women. It's about <laughs> celebrating that. And it, it's going to be tough because there are these intra-female conflicts. Right. But we got to, I think we got to have those discussions, uncomfortable though they may be, and be honest with our, I think, like you're saying, it starts with us. It starts with coming to terms with who you are, why you may have had these pain points, why you've held on to certain distrustful feelings or resentment right or and then and reconcile that because no one's going to fix that for you no one's gonna you know if i'm just always scared that someone's going to betray me that's on me and i gotta be smart too i keep an eye out because there are people who are shady across the board but i shouldn't i don't want to expect that like the thing is is it you can totally take what you've learned from the past with you right but to dwell on it and to Mm. Um, bring that into the future with you in terms of limiting yourself and what your decisions are and how you think about yourself, then that's where I say, you know, that's where you draw the line for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I and I think, like, with conversations like this, that thank you for having this and inviting me to talk about it. And I know you talk about it, you know, um, just not only on your podcast, but with so many people within the community that all of that helps, you know, all of that mm-hmm. creates a self-awareness. And I think... As we get more and more into that stage and more and more women um, are able to fully understand what they bring that's unique to themselves, our reactions towards each other will shift. And I think that will be the biggest telling point because when you have two opposing um, like people of like matching each other with their insecurities and speaking out of their fear and anger that you don't mm-hmm. hear each other. You know, that's where the cattiness comes from. But and that you, cattiness goes way beyond just women right now. I mean, there's like just yeah. that kind of friction is everywhere. It's everywhere. You know? It's everywhere because everything's a trigger now. Everything's everything's pushing a button because you, care, you brought that button with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so now when people are shifting in their mentality and starting to have more like more conversations within yourself, then you're able to meet that conflict and opposition with an understanding that it's not personal. Even if they're saying to your face, like, you're an asshole, <laughs> it's still not personal if you don't take it personally. Because it can just, like, like I know a lot of, of my, like, my anger and stuff in the past were just projections of my own fear. So yes. it had really nothing to do with the other person. So if you don't take it personally and you don't react in that way, then that creates a whole different type of dialogue. And even right. if that person still walks away super pissed and like self-righteous, then th- that's okay because you know that's you're right. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, one day it might just it might just click for them in that way where you're like, they're like, you know what? 
you know, that one time, that one conversation with Minji, and I totally blew up on her, and she was just like, hey, you know, I'm confident in where I stand from. I totally, I can see why you're feeling upset, but hey, you know what? I, that's just not me. Yeah. I think that will click. That will click. I think, and I support that. And, and coming to the end of this amazing conversation that I could go on for hours with you. Right. <laughs> and, and having come to a different place in your life to be able to let a lot of those previous insecurities and fears and habits, you know, die and at least trickle away or like what, what has helped you come to these like, realizations to these decisions and to the implementation of it you know you can we can also like have these realizations but sometimes it's really you know old habits die hard so what's helped you the most in reconciling that within yourself and to be able to be courageous or to be more vulnerable with other women to build relationships that's such a good question and um thank you for asking that because if we were to have this conversation you know six months ago i probably would have a different answer Cause oh. you and I, yeah, you and I both know that I was in a deep depression for two and a half years and I was vulnerable. I was authentic. You know, I was becoming more self-aware of myself, but I think, I mean, not to like insert, but like life coaching has really helped me, um, create that shift in energy. And that's been the biggest transformation and sustained and understanding that, you know, and if I, if I could really just say one thing about that, it would be pinpointing where you're spending your energy. Cause for me, I realized that I was spending a lot of my energy currency on things I did not want to let go in the past. And I just felt self-righteous about it. I felt like I was right. And all of that just dwelling mm-hmm. on, on the past, Mm-hmm. But what really changed for me was that you can take that energy and make it work for you in a constructive way. And mm-hmm. with that, then you have you have more drive and purpose to go change the world in that sense. You know, then you, you also are creating that self-awareness and that it's not all about you. That mm-hmm. and, and, and honestly, Tony Robbins, <laughs> a lot of Tony Robbins and Oprah videos have helped so much in kind of centering yes. myself, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And having dialogue like this, having more and more dialogue in sharing true um, thoughts on where you're at and you don't have to have the answers and it's okay. You know, take, yeah. it, take it day by day. And that's, it's hard to implement, but that's why I say life coaching for me because I have someone that keeps me accountable on with that on a week to week basis because it's so easy to wake up and be like, you know what? My inner critic is right. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. What am I doing with my life? You know, but then right. with life coaching, and I know you've been through life coaching too, right? And you can, yeah. you can attest to how having someone there to formulate a plan and encourage you and see, help you see your self-worth and work on where your limited beliefs come from make all the difference. It really, it does. really does. Yeah. And I'm glad. I was so glad that we had that conversation and that helped plant a seed and help move you forward I, I'm like it really that really did help me and I'm I'm a, finally walking my talk and this will be a separate podcast episode about me starting therapy yes, this year yes. kicking off 2019 
dealing with, it, it was a rough and tumble entry into 2019, but mm-hmm. definitely um, facing a lot of demons and not just with women, with everything, with myself, family, um, but really laying that to rest and kind of coming to that point that you said of like, enough is enough. And right. if I don't address these things in a very substantial way, then it will continue to plague me for maybe for the rest of my life, I want this to be done. So I do like, I'm a big advocate and Christine is life coaching now. I think when I heard that you're doing that, I was (laughs) so thrilled. Um, And I think those decisions, even just making the decision itself is really, really empowering. It's very humbling because it's a self-awareness and it's something you're doing to help yourself. Um, It feels good. And and for me, I also did a lot of that soul searching through acting. I can, Mm. I still think if I was Empress Minji and I could make everybody take a class, (laughs) I'd be like, everybody, please take an acting class because stepping into other people's shoes, Mm. whether that character is the hero, the villain or otherwise, a supporting and, you know, an insignificant character or like the lead, you learn from everybody else's story how it connects with you. And it makes you break down this wall of isolation and ego of just feeling like I feel this and I'm by myself. No, you get to connect with this character and that character and that character. And you get to see everybody has their version of pain, the way that that pain plays out in their life. And finding that as a form of therapy was so helpful for me Mm -hmm. to get outside myself, to get outside of my own pain or my own self-pity, my own anger, And then channel it to like telling another story where I felt very much like this is a part of me that I get to play out and in its own way resolve and forgive because you just you're like, oh, I get it. It makes sense, you know? Right, right. Yeah, Um, on on that same note, like documentaries really, really help in that because it is, like you said, it is stepping into somebody else's shoes and understanding that you're really not that different. What we've yeah. been conditioned to believe that, oh, I can never relate to this human being. They're all lies. They're all lies, you know? And everyone brings their own battles into the world. So it's so easy to make quick judgments when you see someone based off of their appearance and how they carry themselves, but you really don't know what they've been through. And then mm-hmm. when you actually look at yourself and how how much, like... How much you whine and cry about like the the trials and tribulations in your life when you put it up, up to somebody else's, you know, in, in what they've been through. Not to say like one is worse than the other. It's just it's different. And then and then you're like, I can relate to that pain. You know, it's perspective too. I think right. yeah, I think that's a great sign of maturity is to be able to see outside yourself and kind of see how there are there are definitely there's real realness to what you're going through and then there's also so many other things and so balancing that out I think is really important right to like creating a a mature sense of self-awareness and where you know everything kind of falls in the grand scheme of things that you can let things go you can overcome things and that there are other inspirational people that have gone through worse or similar and they've come out intact maybe better hopefully um and i also think that while you're going on these things too another side thing that did help me was to remove triggers so i actually have deleted some apps off my phone recently i'm spending less time i'm still on facebook and instagram i just spend less time on them Mm -hmm. um and that helps me because i'm literally taking away the things that would trigger me to compare yeah. and I'm doing the work in the meantime. So I do want to be able to engage with social media. It's not like I, I want to write it off forever, but you know, there's certain, I unfollowed certain people too that yes. I'm like, you know, when I see that 
currently where I am right now, it kind of just brings up bad feelings. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to live in that. So for now, just going to unfollow. Maybe down the road, we can like... It's literally Instagram models and stuff. It's so embarrassing, again, to say this out loud. But certain people, like fitness models, like actresses, I would feel terrible about myself looking at their feed. And I don't need that right now. And I don't, I'm recognizing in my mind, it's not about them. It's about me and where I feel about myself. But in the meantime, while I'm trying to get on the right track, I don't want to have that cloud. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean by the like energy currency, because that stuff can really set off the rest of your day, you know. Mm-hmm. So it like I I totally um, respect your self awareness in that, and just like you know what I don't want I just don't want to spend my time on this where it's not it's not working for me. So mm-hmm. right now I'm just not going to engage. And that that takes an active choice to do that. You know, you're not ignoring it. You're just like, as of right now, I know what I need. I want to, I know what, how I want to conserve my energy towards working on how I want to better myself. Yeah. And this type of stuff is not helping. For sure. And also, it's been really great because I've been consciously also reaching out to more women. Because I, again, I have a lot of amazing women in my life. I think there's just that layer of complexity with certain female relationships. Mm -hmm. And because I want to be solution-minded and not so fixated on the problem. Like, if we're going to talk about the problem, we're talking about it because we want to figure out how to solve it. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that is having more conversations. Like, this podcast was part of that. And and making sure that I spend time, FaceTime, quality time working with women, encouraging them, learning more about what they do, asking better questions, like not leaving everything to assumption. And they're like, oh, their life is perfect and everything's great and their skin is flawless and what, you know, none of that. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not do that anymore. (laughs) 2019. Yes, this is the year. Um, Christine, where do you have any last words of wisdom and where can people find out more about what you're doing, your life coaching, all of that? Yeah. Um, words of wisdom. Keep listening to Minji on her podcast. <laughs> like, honestly, no, honestly, because I think what you say, what you, your perspectives, who you are as a human being and how brave you are to share, like, all the nooks and crannies of yourself. I really do think that you, you really do shine that light into the world. So we need more people like you. And the best way is to listen to how you're doing it. And then, and reach out to Minji, you know, and, (laughs) and like, I, I, I think, I mean, you've changed my life for the better. So yeah. And right back at you, my dear. So it is to connect. Don't be afraid to connect to people. Like, even if they feel far away and you've, you stalk them on Instagram and whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, it's totally okay to reach out and especially to people that you admire and really ask yourself why. And you never know, you could make, you know, a, a relationship of a lifetime. So, uh, what and listen to Christine's <laughs> podcast too because I'm plugging right now. Oh my I God. I feel the same way. I told you that your podcast helped me gain a lot of perspective of mm-hmm. how I wanted to go about everything. <laughs> See, I love that. This is what empowerment really is. Mm-hmm. Because if you really look at it, we can look, we can be, um, see each other as competitors because we are talking about very similar types of topics and diving in deep and all the branding, right? If you're talking about branding, even though you're edgier and I'm like, oh, pastel, pretty, you know what I mean? Um, but 
I want I, to be prettier. <laughs> no, you are, no, I meant pretty as in like, oh, I like, I like things no, no, that are pastel no, and stuff, right? You know? But um, I have that side of me too. And I really want to embrace more of that. You do. You do. Yeah. You, I see you at events, girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but then at the end of the day, we see each other as like, no, I can learn from you. And how, what is it that you're doing? Like Minji is such a well-spoken person and so articulate and so smart. So I definitely admire that in you. And, and I, I see, um, I draw from that as inspiration, you know, so, um, Thank where people can find me, you can find me on Instagram. It's XOXO Christine Chen. I'm starting my life coaching program right now and a Patreon yes. page and a new podcast. So, but you can get all the information off of my Instagram, Instagram page, <laughs> which is beautiful and, and inspiring. And I'm so excited for you again. I I'm really really stoked for this next chapter of your business, but also what you're putting out in the world. I just think that it's, we, we need all the love and compassion and, and concrete support that we can get to like take all these, the feelings and the thoughts and the anxieties and then channel it into something that makes things better for ourselves and then therefore the world. And I think you're doing that. And I, I just love you so much, Christine. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you for having me. And to all the fellow women out there, you know, the struggle is real. And Christina and I understand if you didn't catch on to that for the last hour. Um, but, you know, the struggle continues for growth. And I think lean into that discomfort, challenge yourself to be better, love yourself along the way, forgive yourself for who you are. Also, I think it's really funny that we're in the middle of this 10-year challenge thing going on, on Instagram. And it's very, very funny to take yeah. take note of where you were because I had blonde highlights and I was like a club rat. And it's so funny to look at that right now. Um, but just to recognize we all we all change and we're evolving and we mature. And um, that's the thing to take account of, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well said, well said. Yes. And thank you, Christine, for being on this podcast. Please go check out her stuff. And if you're interested in life coaching, I cannot recommend anybody more. Um, thank you. It's really wonderful. You can find, first of all, podcast on Potluck Podcast Collective, which I'm a proud member of. You can also find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and everywhere you find podcasts. And if you'd like to support me and this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast to become a patron and become a financial backer of this podcast and help keep the Wi-Fi and microphone on. And shout out to Marvin Yue for being the most amazing producer and audio engineer And thank you to Aquafina for use of her song, Yellow Ranger. And everybody listening, I hope you are having an amazing start to 2019. Keep up the great work and keep at it. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. (laughs) And we are sending you all the love. So thank you for me. Oh, and and for me. (laughs) And for Christine. And for me. Take care, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Proficient in spitting, turning bread when I'm drinking. Emancipating pussy like I was Abe Lincoln. Squirting out that Kool-Aid till I'm just sinking, sinking.